Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 you forget about me you forget who i am this is why god says make sure you keep yourself holy you make sure you remain pure you remain undefiled did god do this because he was racist no he's saying if you want to live a life that pleases and honors and brings glory to me, then you cannot live like that. The Lord would say the same to us today as a church. If you want to live a life that is pleasing to me, that brings glory to me, you cannot live like Canaan. You cannot live like the Babylonians. You cannot live like the world. You've got to live different. I wonder how many here would step up to that challenge. I fear that there are many here that are miserable today because as Paul would say to the church in Corinth, he said this, that bad company corrupts good morals. And you might have the best of intentions and you think, you know what, I'm going to surround myself with these lost people because I'm going to have an influence over them and they're going to start looking like me and thinking like me and worshiping like me. But do you know what inevitably happens if you're there too long? You start looking like them. You start sounding like them. You start joking like them. You start having an appetite for the things that they have an appetite for. And before you know it, you've lost your identity. You've forgotten who you are. This is what the apostle James said. He said this, religion that is pure and undefiled, or James the brother of Jesus. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You understand, don't you, this morning, that this world is trying to stain you. Some of you feel dirty today. Some of you, right now when we're speaking about this, when we're talking about this, you feel defiled in your hearts. You feel unfit, unworthy to come into the presence of God. But there's hope for you today. We're going to see that in just a little while. But I want you to understand this, that just as, as the Lord spoke this word to Cain, and he says, sin is crouching at your door. You need to understand that the world is trying to defile you today. And Paul said this, he says, a little bit of leaven, leaven is a type of sin in scripture. Just a little bit of leaven, leaven's the entire loaf. Just a little bit of sin, when you let a little bit of compromise in, it defiles you completely. James says, the one who has is, who is transgressed one point of the law has transgressed it all. Broken the entire thing. You realize this morning that there's no such thing as just a little bit of compromise, don't you? You as believers might think you can get away with that, but you can't. It wasn't that big of a deal. No one else was hurt. No one else saw. No one else knows, but the Lord knows. This water looks 
pretty appetizing right now. It's pure water. I just poured it just a little bit ago. I don't know. It's, it's as pure as water can be from Costco, right? But just a little bit of defilement. Look, it's just a drop. And all of a sudden, this doesn't look so, I, I don't know. If somebody offered me a green glass of water, I might refuse it. Just a little bit of leaven leavens the entire loaf. And you, you can try to justify it all you want. Well, you know what, it's just this little thing. It's just this little problem. It's just a little bit of sin. There's no such thing as just a little bit of sin. Just a little bit of sin will keep you from the presence of God apart from the work of Christ. It's just not worth it. There is no such thing as just a little compromise. So what does Daniel say? He says, I'm resolving, I'm resolved Again, that means to make up my mind. I've made up my mind. I am determined to not allow myself to be defiled by the things of the world. I'm not going to partake of the king's food. And again, the reason why this is so important, it's not like, you know, you and I, if I offer you a burger from In-N-Out, you know, it's, it's, that, more than likely that burger was not offered up this morning, right, to false gods, false Babylonian gods. If I offer you a burger, eat the burger, right? But in this case, Daniel understands that the food that they are offered had first been offered up to the Babylonian gods, and it wasn't just a meal. To eat of that meal was to acknowledge the Babylonian gods. And what Daniel is saying when he's saying, look, I'm, I'm committing my heart to not be defiled by this stuff, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, you can take me from my parents' arms. You can bring me from the land I love. You can force me to sit in classes and learn of Babylonian culture and religion and literature for three years on. But you cannot change the way I worship. You cannot change the one that I worship. He draws a line in the sand. He says, look, enough is enough. It's just not going to happen. I can't partake of those things. But here's the deal. This is what I want you to see this morning. You must be careful. Because if you're not careful, you'll fall into the religion trap. You know what the religion trap is? The religion trap is that person that says, I'm going to be right in the eyes of God by keeping these rules and these regulations. You see, that, that was, Daniel's heart was good. Daniel's heart was pure. I don't want to defile myself with things that have been offered to other gods. I don't want to acknowledge the other gods because I know that there's no other God but the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that's the one true living God. And if I eat of that, I'm acknowledging their gods, and I just won't do it. His heart was pure, but you know what? That heart can be perverted if you're not careful. And all of a sudden, your walk with the Lord becomes more about keeping rules and rituals and regulations than it does about making sure your heart is right before him. And you convince yourself that you're worthy of being in the presence of God because you read these verses, or you memorized these verses, or you prayed for this amount of time. Right? Or I didn't eat these things, or I did eat these things. I celebrated these festivals, or I didn't celebrate these festivals. None of those things will make you right in the eyes of God. They cannot make you right in the eyes of God. Let me read to you what Paul, or excuse me, what Jesus uh, encouraged the, the listener with here in Matthew chapter 23. You, again, you can read this later. He's addressing the religious people of the day. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Like, you, you make sure that you tithe of every spice that you have in your spice drawer. 
but you forgot about justice and mercy. Your heart isn't right. You're checking the box, but your heart isn't right. You strain the gnats out of what you drink. The gnat was the smallest of unclean animals, but you swallow camels. The camels, according to Levitical law, is the largest of unclean animals. So you're being a hypocrite. Right? Your heart isn't right. You're trying to keep the rules, but your heart isn't right. And, and this can happen even in the midst of the church of Jesus today. Some of you in this place, you're struggling with this. You think that you're good enough on your own. You think that you, in, by your own effort, are holy enough to enter into the presence of Jesus apart from his work. It's not true. Look at He goes on. Verse 25, Jesus says this. Woe to you, scribes. Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within you're full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Paul struggled with this himself. Paul came to a point in his life where he confessed this in the book of Philippians. You can read this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, all of these things that I used to live for, all of the, the effort that I put forth in my religion, all of the ways that I tried to keep myself clean and pure and holy, I, I, was, I was by the law, I was blameless. I checked all the boxes. But all of those things I count as rubbish, trash. Why? So that I might gain the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that I might draw closer to the Lord. Do you realize this morning that for many of you, religion is what's keeping you from the presence of Jesus? Paul says, when I finally surrendered my religion, when I finally lost that religion, I finally found Jesus. Maybe especially for those of you who grew up in the church, you might really struggle with this. I always have been in church. I've just, I, every, I, I fear this for my kids. My kids grew up in church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't get saved till after high school, but my kids grew up in church. They've always been surrounded by the things of the Lord. And if they're not careful, it can happen to them just like it can happen to us. That my relationship with Jesus is lost somewhere in my religion. Right? Be careful. Again, Paul, or, uh, Daniel's heart is right. He doesn't want to defile himself. He doesn't want to make himself impure or unholy. And if you're not careful, that can be taken to an extreme to where you feel like you're holy because of what you've done. You'll never be holy because of what you've done. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're more holy than those guys that keep the law to the T, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And that's the same, the same is true for you and for me. At one point in time in Matthew chapter 7, or excuse me, Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles him. What is it that defiles him? It's what comes out of the mouth. That's what defiles the man. Be careful. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to protect your heart. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 4. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Set a, 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 a guarantee, guarantee a guard around your heart so that your heart is protected from falling into that kind of religious living. He says, I'm not going to defile myself with the food, and I'm not going to defile myself with the wine. Again, the wine would have been offered to the Babylonian gods. This is what I want you to understand from this portion of text today. 
is that sin will do whatever it can to lie to you, to trick you, to bait you. The world will do what it can to try to convince you that what it has to offer you will satisfy you. But guess what? In the end, the world and sin will only leave you feeling empty. Think about it logically today. People who struggle with addiction, I don't care what the addiction is. It can be alcohol. It can be controlled substance. It can be porn. You think that that's going to satisfy you, but the moment you're finished with whatever it is you're addicted to, how do you feel? Empty, alone, separated from God. It's always going to lead to that same place. You'll feel wanting. You'll be left wanting. Those of you, some of you maybe try to, try to soothe that emptiness with food. Right? And so you emotionally eat. It's never going to satisfy. It's not going to fill what is aching, what is lacking in your life. It's never going to work. Some of you maybe try to soothe that emptiness with shopping. Some of you need to delete Amazon from your phones right now. I'll tell you that much. You know, I, I was talking with my, my 11-year-old daughter last night. And I, was, I, I told her, well, why don't you look for that on Amazon? And she says, I don't have Amazon on my phone anymore, Dad. I was on there way too much. 11 years old. Right? It's just going to leave you feeling empty. Sin will convince you. It will dangle its, its, its pleasure in front of you, trying to convince you that it will satisfy. It's just going to leave you empty. Here's what Daniel and his friends did. They, they, they confessed. They committed themselves. They purposed in their hearts to make sure that whatever they did, they didn't fall into the pleasures of the world and give in to sin and give in to Canaan and give in to Babylon, but they wanted to keep their hearts pure for the Lord. I wonder if that would be your heart this morning. Moses would say this, or this is what was said of Moses, I should say, in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's home. He was found as an infant, and he was raised in Pharaoh's home, in the king's home. He had all of the pleasures of the world, all of the pleasures of the kingdom of Egypt. He had it all, but look at what it says in verse 25. But he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting, the plash, passing pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ. He considered suffering with Jesus greater than the wealth of all of the treasures of Egypt, than all of the treasures of the world. Man, I wish that that could be written of me. I wish that could be on my tombstone. That he considered walking with Jesus greater than anything the world had to offer him. Think about that for a moment. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. It's not always pleasant. It's not always easy to maintain your purity. But here's the thing. If you're committed to walking in a pure way, if you're committed to, to making sure that you don't become defiled by the world, God will help you out. Look at what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 1. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while you've been grieved by various trials, so that the testing of the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying here? He's saying that when you go through trials, when life gets difficult, when life gets hard, God is refining you. Like a goldsmith who has this incredible vat of gold and he's, he's, he's heated it. 
And he's mixing that gold so that the dross will come to the surface. And he pulls away the dross from the surface. And he knows that the gold is pure when? When all of the dross is removed. And he can look down into that gold and he can see his face looking back up. He sees a reflection. That God is refining you in life. You, you might be frustrated. You might be angry at God even today because of your trial. But have you considered that God is allowing that trial, trial in your life so that he can refine you? So that he can pull out those impurities? So that he can make your heart holy? So that you can stand in his presence one day? I wonder what it's going to take for us to come to a point in our lives where we say, I rejoice that I'm in this trial because I know that this is going to bring glory to God. Moses went up to Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus and he stood there in the presence of God. Just saw the tail end of his robe and yet when he came down he was glowing. He was literally radiating the glory of God. Radiating his glory. And here's in essence what Daniel is saying. He's saying, how can I radiate the glory of God? How can I shine for God? How can I let this, this unbelieving world of, of Babylon know that I'm a part of God's people? How can I do that if I'm eating their food and drinking their wine? I cannot be the light that God has called me to be if I look just like them. So I'm not going to do it. This is what... It says in Isaiah, the Lord says this, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. He's speaking to Israel. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep, and keep you. I will give you as a covenant, as a promise for the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes of the blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison in which they sit in darkness. God says this to Israel, you're a light for me. I want you to shine to the Gentiles. I want you to shine to the world so that their eyes can be opened, so that they can be delivered from their slavery. That's what Israel was supposed to be. Israel had forgotten that, but you know who hadn't forgotten that? Daniel and his three friends. And they said, it doesn't matter if all of the rest fail. Lord, I will stand with you and I will commit myself to you. I will resolve in my spirit to not be defiled by the world. Do you realize what your calling and your purpose is as a Christian here this morning, believer? Jesus is very clear in Matthew chapter 5. This is your purpose. What's the meaning of life? Well, as a Christian, this is your meaning. This is your purpose. You are the salt of the earth, he says in Matthew chapter 5. If salt loses its taste, how is its saltiness restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're supposed to be a light today. And I'm going to say it again. You cannot be that light. You cannot be the salt of the earth. You cannot be the city set upon a hill. You cannot be the lamp on the lampstand if you look like the rest of the perishing world around you. You have to look differently. Daniel committed himself to this. So he, he lives a life of purity. Secondly there, write this down, your subpoint. Daniel boldly makes a petition. And let's read this together. Verse 9. Or excuse me, the end of verse 8. 
So he, he says, I'm not going to eat the king's food or drink the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He simply makes a petition. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has signed your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. So Daniel doesn't protest he doesn't organize a parade. He doesn't organize a petition. You know what he does? He simply goes to his, his overseer and he says, please. When it says that he makes this petition that he asked, literally in the Hebrew, the word ask, it means to plead. He's begging. Please, I'm begging you. Do not make me eat this food. I'm begging you. I do not want to look like, I'm begging you. I want to remain pure and clean for the Lord. Please do not make me eat this food. Again, we, we don't treat sin like this, do we? We think, well, you know, it's just a television show. Or, you know, it's just a small little lie. Or, you know what, no one's going to see if I take this. No one's going to know, right? And that's the way we treat sin. Daniel was appalled at the thought of defiling himself. Why? Because he loved God that much. Do you love God that much? Daniel was committed to walking a walk it was holy before the Lord. Now, I said this before, and I'm not saying that there's never a time for protest. I'm say, not saying that there's never a time for petitions and parades. What I'm saying, if it's done with the wrong heart, it's going to be wrong. See, Daniel just came and he simply asked, he said, in, in, in really in meekness and in gentleness, he says, please don't make me do this. This grieves my heart. He expressed his heart in a very real way. This is what, how Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. How should we do it? Yet do it with gentleness and respect. The word gentle means meek. Do you know who else was meek? Jesus was meek. He says, if you struggle with the heavy weight, if you struggle with just this heavy, heavy load that you're carrying, come to me. Why? Because I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. The word meek means, it means power that is constrained. It means to, to be gentle. And there's not enough gentleness in the world today. Jesus says, I'm gentle. And if I'm going to look like Jesus, I'm going to have to be gentle as well. But you know what? We are not looking very gentle in the eyes of the unbelieving world today, church. You can say the right thing all day long, but if you say it the wrong way, it ends up being the wrong thing. Why? Because, again, your heart was wrong. Your heart was wrong. If you say the right thing with the wrong heart, you're wrong. But if you say it with the right heart, if you say it with gentleness, with meekness, because you're grieved over people's sin, then God can use that, right? So that's how Daniel went. He just went with patience. He went with gentleness. He just said, please don't make me do this. Look at the next point there. Daniel is moved. He moved forward in this petition with persistence. He didn't give up. The, 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 the chief eunuch said, you know what, I don't feel comfortable with this. If I do this... My life is in danger. If I do this, I could literally lose my head if I give in to this request. And, and the king comes and sees that you're not as healthy as the rest. I'm, I'm in danger of losing my life. I cannot do this. So what does Daniel do? He doesn't take no for an answer. He goes to the next guy. He goes to the guy below him. Look at what it says here, verse 11. 
So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink and let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and he tested them for 10 days. So here's the plan. You give us vegetables and water and you just watch and you see what happens in the next 10 days. You see the difference between us, right? Again, he, he wants to keep himself pure. He's not going to take no for an answer. And uh, just for a moment, just consider the amount of faith that this takes on a young man's life. I'm convinced, Daniel says, that God will sustain us better than these people, even though we just have water and vegetables. God will take care of us. Right? And here's the thing, right? O- obedience is the greatest indicator of faith in anyone's life. What do we do as a church? We think, oh, the person who can pray the, the, the most beautiful prayer, that's the person of faith. Or the person who can preach the most powerfully, that's the person of faith. Or the person who gives the most to the church, that's the person of faith. No. You know, the, the greatest indicator of faith in your life is obedience. And Daniel says, I, I'm convinced. I, I have enough faith in God that if I obey him, he's got my back. He's going to make sure that I'm well. He's going to make sure that I'm fed. He's going to make sure that I'm okay. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977